I just wanted to send a greeting from Texas to Oasis Church, Clint and Stephanie. I actually got the chance this week to spend some time with them. I want you to know as a church family that your pastors are are thinking about you, praying. We were together with some other pastors. In fact, we just spent a few hours growing, learning, thinking about better ways to serve you. I just wanna tell you this year, just you coming to church, just you engaging with this seed series, you know, if you invest in your life spiritually, you have a, a good year spiritually, you're gonna have a good year. And so I, I'm excited about even this week as you're into this seed series, it was so impactful for our church. You know, it's such a big principle in the Bible, this idea that's counterintuitive that tomorrow starts today, what I invest today, what I sow today will be something that I reap on tomorrow. So I just wanna say great job. Great job going through the series, finish it out. I believe it's gonna have a huge impact on your life as you're sowing to the word of God, sowing to your relationships, sowing to the things that really matter in life. And you're gonna reap a harvest because God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. That which a man sows, he'll also reap. And God's so gracious, we sometimes reap where we didn't sow. I, I just am excited about you there at Oasis Church, going through seeds, growing in the new year. We're praying for you here in Texas at Milestone Church. My wife and I, Brandy, we're, we're excited about what God's doing and know God's gonna do amazing things this year in and through you. I promise you, if you grow spiritually this year, it'll be a great year. And the way we're going to do that is this seed series. The good news is no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter where you're at, you can grow. You can grow spiritually. You can have a year where God does new and fresh things in your lives. And seeds is a theme that we've been looking at in an introductory way the last few weeks. And this week we're kicking it off. If you're new, you come at a great time. We want you to get a guide. We have them available for free because you're sitting in one of the most generous churches in the world because of the generosity of people, even in challenging times, we're giving away this great resource to thousands of people for free. You can get one today. We want you to get one. You can download it. Hundreds of people have downloaded it online. We've given away literally literally several thousand of those over the last few weeks. We want you to get one. And this week, groups are kicking off. And so we, we love the opportunity that we have, really, to gather together with others and grow and learn and encourage each other. It's the way the church has done it for centuries. So I want you to get a guide and get in a group. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, it's where we went last week. If you haven't had a chance, you can go online and watch the preceding message to this message as we kick it off. Jesus is talking about seeds. Now again, seeds is all the way through the Bible. A lot of ways to study the Bible. Sometimes we'll take a book of the Bible. Sometimes we'll take a subject that we're struggling with. And one thing we've done the last several years is we'll take a theme in the Bible. So we spent some time studying mountains and storms and Seeds is a consistent theme. The third most frequent noun in the Bible is trees. Seeds. The Bible says as long as the earth is here, 
seed time and harvest, Jesus speaking of the physical seed, but also we see as, as God shows us that he set that in motion, Jesus would obviously be referring to that with physical seed and how it works. But he, in this parable in Matthew 13, starts bringing the natural into this spiritual understanding. Now you say, what's a parable? It's a teaching technique of Jesus. It shows uh, really the truth through a spiritual story. It means to throw alongside. And what's really unique about it is those that are open to receive parables show them great truths. People who are not open to the things of God are actually just kind of sit there and don't really get anything from it. It's revelation to those who are open. And so in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus has a large crowd and he gives this parable about seeds and where they fall and where they grow. And he ends that little section with, here's the critical thing for you to grow. And that is you have to have ears to hear. You have to have ears to hear. Did you know you can sound real smart and not really be able to hear what Jesus is saying? You can be real passionate and passionately off course. You can say a lot of things that may sound profound or even sound like they're helpful. But if you can't hear the words, this parable, it's really a meta parable, by the way. It's a parable about parables. It's a parable about Jesus's truth. It's a parable about God's way of the world working from God's perspective. He said, to understand how it really works, by the way, I created it all. You got to be able to hear me. You got to be able to understand what I'm saying. You can have ears, but not be able to hear. I heard about a lady who took her husband, he's getting hard of hearing, took him to the doctor. Took him to the doctor and the doctor checked him all out and he couldn't hear. He was in the room and the doctor told her what he needed if he were going to live any more great years. He can't be eating frozen pizza, he told the wife. He said, you've got to start making him some better food. You can't be giving him just something quick. He needs some homemade stuff. He needs some good home cooking if he's going to live. Second thing is, you've got to keep the house a lot more clean. You've got to keep this thing pristine. This guy's getting older. Germs can get in there. It could really mess him up. Doctor said, and another thing is, you've been talking a little bit too strong with him. You've not been patient enough with his heart of hearing and you need to be more nice to him and more cordial to him. They drove home. Husband couldn't really hear. They got home and he said, hey, by the way, what did the doctor say about my diagnosis? She said, he said, you're going to die. Basically, you, you're, you're going to die. I mean, that's just kind of where you're going to end up. That's what he basically said. <laughs> Those of you getting a little hard of hearing, it kind of happens. But did you know that Jesus is using a natural concept where he's not just talking about auditory ability, he's talking about spiritual insight, wisdom, truth, how life really works. And so he says you have to have ears to hear. He uses seed. He's probably talking about wheat, probably. Wheat started in the Middle East and it's now the most prolific crop. It is all over the world. You look at that and I show you the picture because you're like, we're studying seeds? Jesus is talking about seeds? 
Well, even in this picture, you look at something and you go, okay, looks like some great wheat. But a lot of times we miss the potential in the seed. Jesus is actually talking about himself. He is the seed. The Bible says he is the living word. He's talking about the seed of the word of God. He, in this passage, is also going to talk about God's rule and reign in the earth through the kingdom of God looking to the kingdom of God and understanding what that is and how it works. We look at this and we're like, look, it looks like a brown seed. The truth is it's sufficient in and of itself, can be its own edible seed, but it also makes things like cinnamon rolls. Can I hear praise in the house of God? Spaghetti, lasagna, bread, Oreos. What'd y'all talk about in church? The pastor compared Jesus to Oreos. Okay, look, he's better than Oreos. I promise you, he's a whole lot better. And it's hard sometimes when he's talking about seeds, you can't miss this. The seed has more potential in it than you realize a lot of times. The seed has the power. It's why, like most things in the kingdom of God, it's counterintuitive. Wait a minute, preacher, I need something on the outside. I need somebody on the outside to help me. I need something to be fixed on the outside. If everyone would understand, no, 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 no. Jesus starts on the inside. He starts on the inside. He starts with everyday people where that seed grows. He then talks to those people as they come together to understand the kingdom of God. It's what changes the world. He gives this story and then it's parable and he says ears to hear. And then he goes into some real challenging things. He leans on the prophets, said the prophets said there would come a day where the seed is right in your presence and you can't hear it and you can't see it and you won't receive it. He makes an interesting statement. I pondered it this week. Those actually who receive the kingdom seed, Jesus says, have kingdom seed, are growing in kingdom seed, There'll come a time where they'll get more and other people will be more off track. I've seen that in our last few months. Kingdom people, not to dismiss that all of us have gotten stuck or wandered off or had to get a little calibration, but I'm talking people that are under the banner of the ruling, reigning King Jesus Christ. And that kingdom seeds on the inside of them, they have actually doubled down on kingdom agenda and become more kingdom oriented and gotten more seed. While others have become more lost, more out of sorts. There's hope if you're listening to me. You don't have to wander around wondering what the answer is. It's the kingdom of God. He, he explains it to us. By the way, you're, some of you are going, Really? That's what the disciples said. They, they were kind of like, why are you talking this way, Jesus? Why are you talking about wheat when all these hurting people are out there listening to you and you've got this big crowd and Jesus is so good, I'm going to let Jesus preach, you know? It's just, he's going to say some tough stuff, by the way, too. You can email him. <laughs> I'll just let this, not only did Jesus tell us the story last week and preach to us, then he gives us some truths about how we have a propensity to be in a place where we don't hear. He gives his own commentary. 
Some of you who may not know this, did you know there's, there's books and volumes of commentary on the word of God? But guess what? This week, I didn't have to get my points from a comment. I didn't have to go Google what does Jesus mean because Jesus preaches his own message to us. I love it. He takes the disciples aside and he says, I'm going to tell you what it means. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. This is not in the garden or in the field where the soil is tilled up. It's where everyone's walking. It lands on that and it gets snatched away, stolen, taken away by the enemy. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. This is where there's actually something growing. Something else gets more water. Something else grows stronger. Something else overtakes and chokes out what is good and what is growing. Worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth. And it makes it unfruitful. But then he basically outlines to us what we need to focus on. The seed falling on the good soil. Everybody say good soil. Good soil refers to someone who hears the word, they have ears to hear it, and they understand it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 fold. Last week we were intrigued by this 160 and 30, you know, I don't believe it's the main emphasis, but I do think it's intriguing. I still am fascinated, by the way, as to why certain people grow and are fruitful and, and, and advance the kingdom and, and, I, and others with all the opportunity do not. I'm amazed as a pastor for over 25 years, people that hang around even the things of God and, and they're kind of around, but they're not that fruitful. I'm amazed at it. I'm amazed at people who, who, who have probably less natural opportunity who bear 60, 100 fold, and it's just intriguing to me. Jesus says, though, it's all based on one simple thing. Now, he uses the parable because parables conceal to people who have bad soil. It, it actually conceals it, but it reveals it to people who have good soil. Good soil people, there's revelation that comes through it. He says to us that understanding is important. You're like, what does that mean? Well, again, it's it, another biblical word is revelation. See, these things of the kingdom, Jesus' way, it's spiritually appraised. It, it, it's counterintuitive a lot of times to the natural mind. And so there's this revelation that comes. Here's, let me make it even more simple. It's, it's, it's the aha moment. Oh, Wow, it's the aha moment. 
Did you know the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I believe is, in the, at least in the early part of the parable, is, is really his most basic emphasis point. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is very simple. It's very simple. You have a barren field. You are dead in trespasses and sins. You're not kind of okay. You're not kind of fruitful. You are dead without Christ. You produce thorns and thistles and nothing beneficial. You, you, even your righteous acts without Jesus, the Bible says, are, are, are not useful in the kingdom of God. The message and simplicity of Jesus Christ is you don't try to get better. You don't try to fix your problems. You naturally end up away from God. But the message of the gospel is all you have to do is receive him. The grace of God tills up your soil. I wish I knew how that worked. It tills up the soil and you receive Jesus. And when you do, you don't have to try to produce fruit. You don't have to try. You just start producing fruit. Now, I believe that is a basic emphasis point of what Jesus says. But if we take his whole story, he's not just talking to people who have not received. He's also talking about the aha moments, the revelation moments that come as you journey with him. I think about in my own life with my kids. I got kids. So I'm looking for revelation sometimes. Y'all know what I'm saying? I'm laying it out. I got one about this week to get her, her official driver's license. I've had two drive away in motorized vehicles, younger families. Get your prayer life up. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay. And, and so I've been kind of part teacher, but I have to hand them off to professionals, you know, because I know I just, you got to know your strengths and weaknesses. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you, you have these moments where you're talking and it's like the lights are on, but nobody's home. Any, any parents, God, can you get, give me a witness, parents? The, the favorite one is, this is important. Let me tell you this. Don't forget this. I got it. No, 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 no. You don't got it. <laughs> Hear me. My kids say that I beat a dead horse. You know what I mean? That's just like dad. You made me this way. You made me this way. You created this. I was not that way before I had you. I beat the horse till I get a response. I got it. No, you don't got it. I'm looking for revelation. I'm looking for the aha moment. So-and-so's dad, well, they don't really, I don't care about so-and-so's dad right now. I don't care what they do. You're looking for revelation. I feel like that's the way many times it is with Jesus and us. He's so loving. He's so patient. He's like, there's so much in this seed. All I need you to do is receive it. I got it. No, you don't. You don't got it. And so he gives us some illustrations of how that works. He actually uses the parable teaching because... The parable actually reinforces a open heart, good soil, and seed teaching to us. And last week I told you that fruitful people, they focus on the seed and not necessarily the fruit. It's amazing to me the most fruitful people are people who just are good receivers. 
They're good seed people. And then they look up and they have more fruit than they thought. Last week, we talked about to do that, you got to focus on this good soil. And last week, we talked about ears to hear. I want to give you last few moments, Jesus's points from his message. I want us to talk about understanding because you can't care for the soil without understanding what threatens the seed. Remember, the seed has all the power. The seed has the ability. The seed is complete. The seed is perfect. It just needs good soil. So what keeps us from understanding? Let's lay out Jesus is here. Jesus was a great preacher. Maybe he was Baptist. He had three points. You know, I don't know when they did hymns, if he sang the third verse or not, but you know, maybe he just did one, two, and we're going to four. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't know what he did, but he's got three points. They're his points to tell us how we can understand Number one, the enemy steals what God tells us. God says something to you. And I want you to know this. Maybe there's someone watching online or in a video venue. God speaks. He starts drawing you. You watch someone get baptized and you're like, look, there's a dad baptizing and his children are getting baptized with him. And you start thinking, you know what? I can see where my family will end up unless I make that decision. And there's a moment of revelation to go, you know, Jesus is, is drawing me in, and, 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 and there's a little fear always and the enemy's trying to steal the seed and, 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 and you have to say, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll receive that. What happens is you get in a setting like this, you experience that transformation and even two hours after walking away, the enemy will come and say, that was just emotion. Oh, that, that, that wasn't real. You can pray a prayer even. And the enemy will say, you know what, you're, you're a fake. That's the enemy's strategy. You know why he has to come immediately? Because if that seed takes root, I've said it for years, you receive Jesus, you won't trade him back in. Oh, no, 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 no. You will not trade him back in. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He has abundant life. He'll start producing fruit in your life. Again, you don't even have to try. People are like, I don't know if I can live up to this. You don't have to live up to it. Jesus gets in your soil. He'll start producing change in you. You won't be able to enjoy the party anymore. He'll just start taking over your garden. And the truth is the enemy has to come quick and there's hard path environments in our hearts. Some people in our church recently said they're actually saved people. They've been through some church pains and some hurts and some relationships. And they said, I realized I've become heart. heart my heart has been hardened. My, my soil has gotten hard and I'm not as receptive because I've gotten hard. Did you know the soil can get hard through life? See, this is on the path. In years of pastoring churches, I've been a part of building processes. We got a big, a big, massive external parking, all paid for by cash, by the generosity of all of you. So everything, if you're new, driving on campus is all paid for in cash and it's all happening and there's a lot going on. And I sit in meetings with architects where we want to serve you, so we study you. And so we actually have times where we put people in the building and study traffic flows and how cars come in and how people walk on campus because you can have this grand idea that they will come through this door, but here's what I've learned about all you. You're not predictable. 
and you do what you want. You know what I'm saying? So we, when we first built this parking lot out here, you know, it's like you're trying to conserve concrete and we made a nice little turn right there and there's no concrete here and you're just, you, you guys were just like, well, it's quicker to go there. So you just drove on the dirt. I mean, I'm not correcting you. I love you just the way you are. It's, it's your concrete anyway. So we just put you some more down there, okay? Because you're going to drive where you want to. The problem is if you drive on it, if you walk on it, the ground gets hard. The biblical word is deception. How do you know if you're deceived? Problem is you can be real passionate and real deceived and real off from what Jesus cares about and lose receptivity to the kingdom, to the kingdom of God. I think about the moments where God's seed. See, I, I know I'm amazed by it, but I know those moments because that happened to me receiving Jesus. I, I know it changed me the moment that happened. I, I remember where I was at. I remember where I was sitting. I remember a Sunday night when a pastor preached on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, I grew up in a church. We talked a lot about, you know, don't go to hell. It's hot. Thank God. I don't want to go to hell. But we didn't talk a lot about how do you live the abundant life here on earth? And the preacher made this point from scripture. Jesus doesn't just want to be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. And I remember writing it in the back of my Bible and saying, Lord, I don't even know totally what that means, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. Have you know that seed gets in there, starts changing stuff. I remember when the seed of the word of God that the Holy Spirit began. I remember the teaching. I remember where I was. I remember the Holy Spirit didn't stop working when he came into your heart to save you. He did, and he sealed you. He didn't stop working in the book of Acts. He still works today. I remember kind of being a little upset, like, why didn't anyone tell me this? Why didn't anyone teach me about this? But did you know, once I received that seed of the truth of the word of God through the person of the whole, it started changing my experiential relationship with God. I mean, I, it was no longer just concept. It was real in my life. I remember, I believe, discipleship, understanding when Jesus said over and over, go and make disciples. Go and, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed at the last several months, part of our frustration is we're realizing there are a lot of people been hanging around the things of God who are not disciples yet. They're not grounded in the word. You want your life to change? Get the word of God at work at your workplace. Get it at work in your marriage, in your family, with your kids. I remember when that revelation hit me and I was a young pastor and I said, you know what? We will speak and gather in large crowds, but we will always focus on making disciples because Jesus said do it. It's counterintuitive. You know how there's a lot of frustrated people today? They're trying to change the world from the outside in. Jesus turned the world upside down with 12 disciples. That's a seed when it gets in you. People are like, it's the end times. You should be making more disciples than ever. Quit talking and start discipling. The world is so broken. You should be the one making the most disciples if you're the one the loudest about how broken it is. I'm sorry I went from preaching to meddling. I know, I can see it on your face. <laughs> What's well, a seed when it gets in you? 
The solution is in the word of God. It's in the kingdom of God. The rule and reign of God in the earth is what changes it. I remember those moments, and I want to tell you, if you'll stay postured to receive from the word, God will change you in the process. But here's what the enemy does. Make your heart hard. Get that seed on the path where the enemy can go, I'll take that. Snatch it away. 2 Timothy 2.25 says, gently instruct those who oppose truth. This verse kind of hit me this week. You're like, I have somebody around my life who's deceived. By the way, how do, you, how do you protect against deception? It's when you know, but by the grace of God, your path would be hard. The more you've received from the grace of God, the more you offer the grace of God to people. Gently instruct. You're like, I have someone, they're so deceived. Love them more. Show them more grace so that you can help with the soil of their heart so they'll receive the truth. You're like, well, I just tell them the truth. How's that working? <laughs> Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses. You know, the Bible says when you get deceived, you have no sense. Come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. Here's the second one though. Second one where it moves beyond just receiving Christ is we give up when we face trouble or we get offended. Jesus said there's challenges that come. The people he's speaking to, by the way, could possibly lose familial relationships for receiving this message of him being the Messiah and him being Jesus. Like they would endure severe persecution from the people they love the most. So, so I don't know if when you got saved, someone told you that receiving Jesus means that you don't have any trouble or problems. If they did, they lied to you. He says, when that trouble comes, when that pressure comes, when that persecution comes, he says, that's one of the things that can stop the seed. When I, when I memorized this story or read this story or learned this story in church, the pastor that preached it in my home church preached it from the King Jimmy. Some of you are like, what's that? It's the King James version of the living Bible. When I heard it as a kid in this section of the text, it goes another step further from just problems and challenges to it says they were offended. They were offended. See, I think about this. That little baby plant is what Jesus says. There's a lot of joy. Oh man, it's exciting. Oh gosh, Jesus changed me. The world's brighter. Yeah, this is awesome. I love it. You know, you wanna to go to a church where there's lots of babies. Keep us all excited about our faith. Keep us all reminded of what matters. Cause babies get excited, man. They're like, oh my gosh, Jesus saved me. Guess what? We're going to heaven. Did you know that? You're like, yeah, I've known that for 50 years. <laughs> There's a lot of excitement. When I grew up in church, I remember hearing that and they were offended. By the way, I grew up in a church that let young people lead. I preached at 16. That's why here at our church, we don't believe you just sit in the back and eat pizza, but we believe even those little children or little tender shoots sprouting up that can bear a lot of fruit. I would sit in meetings and listen at my church, at least I grew up in, they would say, we get people saved, but we don't do anything with them. 
They were real frustrated by it. I'm 15, 16 years old, you know? People are coming in the front door. They're falling out the back door. I'll never forget one lady in our church. People are falling through the cracks. I'm like, where are the cracks, man? What's she talking about? And she was saying that we have a propensity, if we're not careful, to just preach the simplicity of the message of Jesus, which is very simple and very easy to receive, but forget there's also those little tender baby plants that get excited. This is great. Oh my gosh. Pastor just messaged. I was like, he was talking to me. I came in. Everyone was so warm. This is phenomenal. The music. Did you see that? I videoed it. It was incredible. Oh my goodness. This is powerful. The Lord is with us. Until your kid doesn't get selected for the Christmas play. Until Jeff doesn't speak on the very thing you think he should talk about. Until one person forgets that you're on their team and doesn't email you and you think you're left out of the group. Until you go get around some people who actually criticize you for becoming too Jesus. Until you have some challenges. Until someone doesn't greet you or they didn't do this or the enemy comes to lie to you and you just get in your own head. We have an offended world. And you know what? Believers need to repent of it as much as anybody. People are touchy. <laughs> mad all the time. No, one, no, no wonder nobody wants what we have. We're just mad all the time. I grew up in a home where get over it. Get a ladder and get over it. <laughs> Can I say something to you pastorally? If you don't get some roots, get your identity in Jesus, the devil's coming to offend you and rob you of your growth. Rob you from flourishing in him. It's one of his number one tools. The word offense is a, it's called scandalon. It's a trap. Growth-oriented people, which is my passion for you this year, they don't have time to get offended. They're too busy growing. They're too busy working the soil. They're too busy planting kingdom seed. They're too busy making disciples, influencing people, changing the world. They're too busy doing that to stay offended because that offense will rob them. And I, I used to, as a young pastor, think, well, they're offended at me. I know I mentioned the Christmas play. Here's one thing I learned along the way. It's not the offense even at the church house always. It's the offense at your house. You with your spouse, you with your kids, you with your mother-in-law, you with your boss. Now I'm meddling. Are y'all with me? Offense is coming your way. Get rid of it. Be hard to offend. One Bible preacher said, go to a graveyard and try to offend those people. Just go today out to the graveyard and be like, no response, because they're dead to themselves and alive in Christ. Here's the third one, Jesus' message, not mine. We get consumed by other things. There's a choking effect to the good fruit when we get off course. Jesus, in one of his most famous messages, they were worried about their provision. They were worried about their future. They were worried about preserving what they had. They were worried about being taken care of. Jesus said, look, I know how to take care of you. I take care of the birds. 
And he gave them a calibrating statement that he's talking about here as well. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will take care of themselves. Plant that seed. Put that into your focus. How can I advance God's kingdom in what I do every day? How can I advance God's kingdom in my home, in my family, in my neighborhood? How can I, how can I calibrate around that? And I know, again, we think self-preservation. We think I need another human being to preserve me. We think we need some kind of external force. Jesus says, no, no, no. Seek this kingdom seed. Focus on that and I'll take care of you. He says, worries of life, choke it out. We just get too busy to focus on God's agenda. And in our culture here, we have lots of options. He doesn't say in the next phrase that wealth is a bad thing. He says, wealth lies. Wealth can be used for great things, resources. By the way, a lot of times what we're worried about is our resources and all the stuff we've got and all the stuff we have to take care of. And how do we keep all the stuff we have? And how do I produce with this schedule, all that I need to sustain what I have. So it all just starts working on itself and somehow God gets lost in the mix. God gets lost in it. it say, he says here, again, wealth can be used to provide for your family. Wealth, he said, he's given us all things in life to enjoy. We can worship God through our work. We can worship God through what we produce in the kingdom of God. He's the one that gave us the power to do it. Wealth can cause you to be generous, to help others, to solve problems, to take care of people. It can be used as a great tool, but it does lie to us sometimes. Have you ever been on the freeway and there's a big truck, okay? It's one thing when someone else's car gets over in your lane, you know, they're texting probably or talking and it's like, hey, brother, oh, whoa, 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 hey, whoa, 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 stay in your lane. When you have one of those big trucks and the wind's blowing, it's like, I, I get up to them and I'm like, I'm going past. Y'all know what I'm saying? Because you're like, stay in your lane. It's one of my favorite phrases. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. By the way, you can live a lot more peaceful life if you stay in your lane. God, what have you anointed and appointed and called me to steward? What's my responsibility to the garden you've given me? Stay in your lane. Wealth doesn't like to stay in its lane. Wealth likes to tell you, I'll give your kids success if you buy them a phone, a car, and get them to the right college. No, 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 no. You can't buy stewardship for them. You train them in that. Wealth will tell you, oh, if you get enough of this, you'll really be happy. You know the most unhappy person on the planet? is the person who gets all of it and it lies to them. And they go, well, what I really want is friendships, relationships, purpose in life. I've sat on many deathbeds. You know what most people are not talking about on their deathbed? What wealth told them their whole life sometimes when it was lying. They're thinking about the stuff that matters. Hear me, hear me well. I'm talking about kingdom seed in your life. Don't trade what wealth can't produce for you for what only God's word and his kingdom can produce. Don't, don't, don't let wealth get in that lane. Say, wealth, no, 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 you stay in your lane. You have a place, but you're not in this lane. Wealth will tell you, if you get enough, you'll feel safe. Oh, no, 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 no. You're never going to see a number where you go, man, I feel good. I feel like we're going to make it. It's going to be awesome. We got it. 
because wealth can't produce peace. Wealth can't produce security. Wealth can't anchor your soul. Can't do it. So Jesus says, don't let it lie to you because then you start worshiping it and focusing on it and you work all the time and no time for your family and you work all the time and you can't get to church and you work all the time and you're stressed out all the time so you don't read the word, you're not growing, you're not sowing the right seed, you're not keeping the soil because wealth is telling you, I'll give you all that. And God says, no, it can't. It can't give it to you. Part of what keeps the soil good are Jesus's three points. I love when I see this seed of the person of Jesus Christ planted in the hearts of people. How, how many of you, I love that story of Judy. We saw it right there. She said, I had a hard path. She tunes in and starts watching Christmas services and God just pulls out his big God tiller. Watched it a second time. Watched it a third time. The seed came up here, accepts it. Seed goes in. Now our heart for her is that she grows and gets roots, stays open and finds relationships and gets in a small group so she can have fruit that remains and lasts. Keelan, I love that. That's a new seed. First person. By the way, we baptized his girlfriend. She's the story I gave at Christmas. Radical transformation. Keelan, first person. We baptized him at 9.15. 9.15 service this weekend. Keller campus. First person in his family to receive Jesus and get water baptized. That's what we're into. Now the kingdom has gone into... Keelan's heart, and that's going to change generations. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me if you say, Jesus, I need to receive your seed. My soil has been hard. I want to receive you today. Come into my life. Change me. Save me. Become my Lord and Savior. He's there ready. All you have to say is, I believe you died on the cross, Jesus. I believe you rose from the dead. Become my Lord. Become my Savior. If you prayed that, we want to help you start to grow in this newfound relationship and walk it out. Second of all, though, I want to pray for every person within the sound of my voice. Lord, we repent for where we've allowed unforgiveness, offense, worries of life, where we've made our worries God sometimes, meditating on them. Lord, we repent where we've allowed different things to choke out your word and who you are in our lives. Lord, help us where we're deceived. Let us stay open and graceful and open to what you say to us. Lord, the deceitfulness of wealth, don't let it dominate us. We want to bear that fruit that comes from you coming down into the soil of our hearts. And Lord, we pray your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.